This is In Focus, the weekly public affairs program from KTBB and the Team Sports Radio, featuring members of the local community working to make East Texas a better place. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of In Focus. I'm Lonnie Johnson. I'm here today with Carol Pope, and you're listening to KTBB. FM 97.5. And of course, as always, you can uh, listen to this show and send your comments in uh, via our web mail address at ktbb.com slash in focus. Uh, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, today, we're going to talk about COVID's effects on education. Uh, Carol uh, is the owner of Sylvan Learning Center and deals with uh, children trying to improve their education level and their education prowess and their study skills daily. So I thought she would be a fantastic person uh, to do this interview with. Uh, secondarily, uh, I'm counting Carol at this point as kind of a friend of mine, and I enjoy talking to her and find that uh, her passion for uh, children and her passion for education really shines through. So I thought she would be a perfect person to uh, sit with us today. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. So let's talk about, you tell me, uh, let, let's take uh, the elementary kids. Let's start there. Let's uh, say I had a second grader uh, in 2020, mm-hmm. in March of 2020. What, what was I looking at? A, a lot of stress, a lot of um, distress. Um, we didn't, of course, we've never gone through anything like this as a country. And so um, our educators, our schools were at a loss. What do we do? We all had to follow the CDC. And of course, they were trying to figure it out as well. So schools closed down. Kids didn't have um, a place to go. One, um, for education, mom and dad became the educator or maybe grandma or someone else in the home, big sister, big brother, um, a neighbor became the educator. And so if I may stop, you, uh because that's important. How unqualified were we Mm -hmm. to do this? Even and I will tell you from a mom that has um, degrees in education in, in different levels I'm not qualified to keep teach my own kids even because I'm mom and my kids want me to be mom and they always have wanted me to be mom. It's kind of a joke in, in our house as my three kids were growing up. You don't understand mom. You don't do it the way they do. Well, honey, I am a teacher. I am an educator. Um, I do have master's degree in that. Of course, I wouldn't throw that out to them, but you want to. But kids want mom and dad to be mom and dad. And so... Um, mom and dad also were stressed because they couldn't go to work and that meant no income or potentially no income so there was a lot of stress in the house and the education uh, for a while just didn't happen as good as parents hearts were to make it happen and follow through they just couldn't they didn't know what to do how to do it they had other stresses going on with work, what they were going to do about work, how they were going to um, pay the bills. So that little second grader was struggling and trying to figure out what to do themselves. Usually the kids became, you know, went to TV, started watching TV, got back on their video games. We're not in an organized, structured home as school is, um, and not to the fault of the parents. We were all trying to figure it out. We were all trying to figure out what we were going to do to educate our kids. Now, the real tragedy to the uh, to the elementary school uh, students is the fact that, that you've explained to me that 
a third grade teacher does not teach second grade curriculum and so mm -hmm. on and so right. on and so on up to i guess the middle school level mm -hmm. So explain to us how disastrous that mm -hmm. is. Correct. Yeah, I get probably the number one answer or number one question I get from from people when they find out I'm in education and we talk about remediation and helping students get caught up. They'll ask what grade or what student was the worst hit by COVID? Who suffered the most? Um, and people are surprised when I say the kindergarten, first, second graders. People think that automatically it'd be our older kids. The older kids have already had the opportunity to um, to establish a foundation. The young ones do not and did not. And so if a kindergarten, first, second grader that's just learning their alphabet, just learning how to put those sounds together to make words, just learning how to read and comprehend, and then it's stopped, then um, those are the kids that dramatically suffered the most and then so when they we the schools opened back up and we were into the next school year that second grader that did not get six months of schooling when third grade started up that teacher had to teach third grade lessons and so um there was no remediation or no filling in the gaps from when covid hit in march until school started in august september what is happening with those skills? What is happening with all of that? Can you give me an idea of the second grade curriculum in our public school system? Yeah, we can look at kindergarten is really um, coming more familiar with the alphabet and learning how to manipulate the alphabet in words and identify how to them. How to exactly, all those types of things. And in those early reading years, learning what a book is, the beginning to the end of a book, all of those things. First grade, you're developing more into taking those letters and sounds and forming uh, words and learning to read sentences and write sentences and that type of thing. Um, and then so when you get into second grade, you're reading. Uh, a second grader is reading. They're learning to write, not penmanship Thematically, write. Um, they, they're still learning. There are um, second grade phonics, okay. but we're, we're taking the, the written language and making it come alive okay. from second grade on. And so when you have were stopped in your tracks at the middle of first grade where some kids might have been fully reading at that time, some probably most were not what we call have crossed over the bridge into being a full-time reader they're still learning those things um, when you stop it in march and then in third grade in august september you're expected to be a reader a full-time reader um, that's frustrating and that's embarrassing for kids and it's not their fault and so what our schools had to do was there again figure out what are we going to do because they know they had six months of no skills that were taught no and education that, 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 that's two-thirds of a school year exactly that's not just six months that's two-thirds of right. a school year and you have to think about those skills that were learned in maybe october through january they were not in our schema they were not locked in to where we really knew how to use them if you think about um, someone a construction worker that learns a new tool gotcha. they get a new tool it takes a little while for them to learn the ins and outs of that phonics or skills or tools so even though we have taught it a, a skill they haven't learned how to use that in in every situation so all those skills that have been taught really from the first of first grade or second grade all the way up to when covid hit 
we have the slide where a lot of those were lost as well because we didn't give them the opportunity to really secure those skills and use them and practice with them, with them and that type of thing. What has been the recovery rate for these uh, elementary school kids that were affected by it? Um, that's a really good question. That's a hard question what to answer. Yeah, yeah, and that's a hard one. Um, you know, schools again tried to figure out. So we went through the following year after COVID. Um, still, the schools were a revolving door because people were still getting sick. We had um, family members that they had maybe an older person in their home or someone that was going through um, a life-threatening illness that we had to be very careful about um, them being exposed to COVID. And so we had a lot of teachers get sick. They had to be home for 10 days. So then a substitute came in and then the teacher would come back. So every time a new sub would come in, the students had to learn a new teacher and had to figure out where they were in the curriculum same thing at home a student got sick and they had to be home for 10 days well then by the time they got well brother got sick well then he had to quarantine so then i'm back at home again for another 10 days and then maybe getting out of that another sibling or mom got sick so you know a student could be out for increments of 10 20 30 60 days and um, trying to come back schools are trying to send home things home for parents to work um, but there wasn't a whole lot for them to be able to do. So for a whole nother year, the progression of education um, was really stalled or tremendously um, slowed down because of that revolving door of substitutes, teachers, illnesses in families, kids missing school for lengthy amount of time. So we really had a full year on top of the six months when COVID hit. So you take that full year and a half that students did not get the education that um, they normally get or would have gotten if COVID would not have happened. Let's just digress for a second and move mm -hmm. from the students real quick and we'll go right back. But the teachers, mm -hmm. let's talk mm -hmm. about how the teachers suffered Tough. during COVID. Tough. What, yep. what were their big impediments? <laughs> Lots. And I tell you, um, I give my my hat off to all of those educators in the school system because they were working tirelessly. You know, they hurt too when they see um, in our profession, you're not in it to make money. I think everybody knows that no a doubt. teacher's not there to make money. Um, their heart is there. And when they see a struggling student, it tears them up and they wanna do everything that they can to help that student. So when we have a large population of what's happening and struggling, as well as the emotional with, you know, our young ones are, are all kids that are scared. You know, it's depressing. It's depressing. It was a very depressing time. And the students were having to deal with not getting school, not knowing if mom was going to be okay. Maybe mom was in the hospital with COVID. Maybe grandma didn't come home. And that grandma stayed with them every day after school. So much emotion and frustration and, and feelings, um, anxiety and feelings and things that were hounding down on the kids the teachers were having to own themselves they're going through the same thing they're going through the same emotions and they're trying to be the caregiver for these kids that are coming to school and going through all of these um feelings and um um behaviors and things that were going on in their own home and then here we are trying to catch up quickly with all the skills that 
um, they missed and trying to trying to be educators and so the demands of the teachers were really um, really tough and I tell you there's all the teachers that I have come in contact with and the teachers that I know in the schools they worked tirelessly to try to um, help the students out and do everything they could but in the same in the same breath you have to realize that in education the state dictates in third grade you teach these skills in fourth grade you teach these skills and so that third grade teacher is required to teach certain skills knowing that their students are not at that or the some might have been but majority on average the students were not where they should have been at that same time because of the loss of skills from what um, COVID had done. And so um, it was a huge burden on the teachers, but they worked hard and they tried their very best to do everything they can for those students to be successful. And they're still, they're still at that point. We have not covered that, recovered that gap that COVID caused. We're working on it, um, but we're not there yet. Could you put a percentage on where we are? Mm. You know, um, no, I would love to. <laughs> That's hard because um, what a lot of families have done is reached out independently to supplement um, the loss in their students, knowing that the schools are doing everything they can, but the schools there again, that third grade teacher is going to teach third grade skills. So we have a second or first grade student in uh, second or first grade skill student in third grade, that teacher can't stop and go back. And so there's many families that reach outside to go back and recover those skills so that um, they can be more successful in the grade level that they're currently in. What about the, just, you mentioned the, the shame that goes with children uh, when they don't know something mm -hmm, and, it, mm -hmm. and it made apparent that they don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that was a gunshot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's made apparent that they don't know. That that tends to begin to affect their development, correct? Definitely. Not, not Definitely. just their curricular development, but their All the way around. Emotional their self-esteem. When a student is sitting in class, well, you can look at us, us as adults. If we are in a new situation and um, you hear everyone around you spitting out expertise and you start thinking i don't know what they're talking about you get embarrassed and you're thinking oh i hope they don't call on me to go up and do a presentation or tell me what ask me what i think we do that as adults so you can imagine how a child feels if they're sitting in a classroom and they're looking at a paper and maybe it looks like a foreign language to them they can't read it they don't understand it if they can read it they can't read and comprehend it but then they will feel like whether it's true or not they feel like every person around them is better than them. They're smarter than me. I'm not as good as them. And so they start feeling very um, self-conscious about themselves. Well, they're fragile already because of social media. Exactly. They're, they're, they're just a paper-thin right. you know, exterior. Right. They're dealing so. with that constantly. So the anxiety goes up. The self-esteem starts just plummeting. And you start seeing that across the board in sports, at home with behaviors, if they're in scouts or cheer or any kind of extracurricular activity when a student sits in a classroom and feels intimidated 
or feels less than or not as smart as, then their whole body posture drops. They walk out and go into whatever the next phase is of their day in a sporting event or something, and they still don't feel good. And so then it just starts showing across the board. So the be- the you know the faster we can start dealing with those self-esteem issues by um, increasing their skills level, increasing their successes in academics, and you're going to see the positivity just flow over everything that the student is involved in. Well, I've actually seen that. Uh, uh, Carol helped my son out a little mm-hmm. bit. I had a son mm-hmm. that graduated a couple of years ago, and we'll get to that group of people in a minute because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't particularly like the high school kids, but we'll talk <laughs> about it. But uh, he's now at uh, San Angelo State, and he's doing well. And I can tell a difference. Uh, he was always a super confident mm-hmm. kid. Very confident. And then there got a point where he wasn't for a minute, mm-hmm. and it really affected uh, his psyche, if you will. Mm-hmm. And not a bad way. And son, I'm not throwing you on the bus here because you're doing great. <laughs> but um, that, so I, I want to segue into the high school kids now because, mm-hmm. so let's say you were in uh, the end of middle school, eighth grade and up when this hit. So here's something I know. You cheated. <laughs> okay, parents listening, your kids were cheating mm-hmm. because the opportunity was made so available mm-hmm. by remote learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you don't learn as well when you cheat, do you? No, you don't. That's it, right. It, it's basically and it the happened. Cliff notes. It happened a lot. The schools knew, but what could we do? You know, they were trying to throw out assignments and things to they try to do. They passed is what they did. Is what they did. Yeah, they did. They passed them, and you know, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Hopefully. Hopefully this never happens again. But if it does, then we as educators can handle it better. But no, we did not handle it well. I think so. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong or political with admitting that we made mistakes. We made mistakes. We made mistakes. Sure Uh, we did. Of course, uh, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I certainly, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 57 years old. I I lost a few contemporaries Mm -hmm. that were healthy scratches. Mm -hmm. So to say that no one was concerned about COVID would be absurd. Right, right. And and how we handled it, sure, it sounds like we made a Mm -hmm. huge mistake in in many different ways. Mm -hmm. But they... I guess everybody was honestly trying to do trying their best. Trying to do the best they and could, most definitely. Um, and I think, you know, from, I don't know, all the way from the medical profession, daycare, schools, all the way, we tried. We tried to do. We didn't know what to do. And so, you it's know. It's like parenting. It's like parenting. I mean, no, it really is. I mean, you know, parenting <laughs> yeah, is, is, yeah. is the most joyful, horrible, right. in my opinion, yeah. thing on the face of the earth. Yeah. It's rewarding and it's gutting, uh-uh. you know, all at uh-uh. the same time. Yeah. So let's uh, – we, we, uh, those kids that that let's say massaged their way through mm-hmm. that whole thing wasn't just when they were out that lasted when they went back right for sure probably a few months after yeah, that until yeah. the school could find ways to control right, that to control that right and honestly um you know you asked me where we are in the recovery i feel like uh, and this is just me personally from what i'm seeing and hearing I feel like the recovery is getting better with our younger kids and our school age kids. We're not there with our older kids going into college. That was my. You're so, mm-hmm. I love you. So <laughs> it, we. Um, th- that's what I want to talk about. So mm-hmm. you've got a senior now. Mm-hmm. So actually, he would have been a. Ninth he would have been a freshman uh-huh. when all uh-huh. this happened. Right. So you've got a senior, or you had a senior last year who's applying to schools and not having much luck. Mm-hmm. And tell us what's happened with the SATs. 
what is happening currently. It's uh, yes. it's changing. It's evolving almost hourly. Um, we used to have a joke in education where when we were learning a new theory or a new house bill, you know, they would put it up on the big board. This is how it is at this moment. And that's about like it is in the college prep world. Um, I know that colleges had to do something or they were not going to have any enrollment if they kept the standards the same kids coming out of high school were not coming out of high school with the same gpas um experiences um preparedness ability to learn ability to learn and preparedness to go into college and so colleges had to quickly um revise and say what can we do to get our to get kids to come into school and so there for a couple of years they did um a lot of opened it up um admission. Say admission um accepted lower expectations um to allow the students to come in um you know that's a hard thing too another catch-22 because you want the kids to get to be able to go to college it wasn't their fault for what happened but you don't want our colleges to start watering down their expectations more than they have more than they have and that's what seems to be still happening because this the colleges and universities are still trying to find they're trying to ramp those back up but still finding that our students aren't there they're not prepared they're not ready they don't have the scores they don't have the abilities so um what's interesting now in the digital world is coming in because that's coming in strong and so in the past um our stu- our tests have been paper and pencil and now they're going all digital um college board who owns the sat they are going all digital that's happening in the next few months um my son my oldest son he actually does college prep in um, new york and california and um, i use him a whole lot to kind of get a lot of information he takes these tests regularly um and and he feels they're they're getting harder they're these tests they're ramping those tests back Back up up again back up again and um it the digital brings one level um because it's harder to take those tests in a digital um space you mentioned that Mm -hmm. for instance for those of you listening when uh especially those of us who are older when we write we're Mm -hmm. able to look down and see what we've written Mm -hmm. and it helps us process what we're about to Mm -hmm. write Uh, when you take the sat on the written section at some point your screen uh, goes yeah. Uh, what you've written previously disappears. Right, right. So you can't, so you can't go back scroll, and do it. Right. Which that takes an organized right. individual. It does. To it does. Do and when you're editing, there's a portion of it where you're looking and editing and things. And you, you know, on the book, you can take a highlighter and you can mark through it. Or also on the book, you can. Uh, we always teach our students to um, to mark the side that they want to come back to. <laughs> and so that's not. It's, that's so all. there's a lot of those test taking strategies that are going to be. Um, um, they're harder on a digital format, so you've got that um, part of the test. But then also they're ramping up more the rigor of the tests and trying to get them back up to a higher expectation is where we were in the past. Do you happen to know what the average SAT score is today versus like 2019? Oh, is it- no. Uh, that's a good question. That will make me want to go back and research that. Um Everything. There's no question. I think if COVID wouldn't have hit, yeah. that 
my son would have done better on the SAT. He sure. did all right. Yeah, you know, he, he did. did okay. He did. But um, I, I think had he, uh, I'm a firm believer. I did not, uh, everybody that has listened to me on the air for years here knows my story. I've spent six years at TJC. I am not an <laughs> example of, mm-hmm. of what to do. Um, but what I do, I did learn things in college. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I learned is the people that were successful, my friends that were successful, had good study habits. Mm-hmm. The, and mm-hmm. good study habits meant not just studying, not time spent on your butt looking at a book, but what you're studying, right. how you're studying and what you're remembering. And you don't learn that playing video games and cheating on your Mm-mm. exams. That actually, Lonnie, it's interesting you say that is probably um, one of the biggest things we see with high school kids and kids coming out of high school is they absolutely don't have study skills. Or we have parents that come to us and you know the student has been a straight A student or an AB student for for years and then all of a sudden they're a C student or even a failing student and parents are frustrated and they try to work with them and what we find we have some things that we do and we find that the students just don't have good study skills they don't know how to study it's not about sitting down for two or three hours it's not about quantity of studying it's about quality of studying how you study how you tackle uh, how you attack that um, that test that's coming up those vocabulary words or whatever it is um, but students just don't learn it organization in their skills and it, it, you know a lot of it is all online we don't have the textbooks anymore we don't have the notebooks anymore it's all online I it's all digital a textbook at ASU yeah right right and so you know we used to um, dog ear the pages or put tabs on the pages to go back and reference something we don't have those tangible things anymore and so along with that the organization has changed and it's really not even there the um just the all around the study skills are not there kids don't get much homework anymore you know growing up we had homework they I'm really don't have did. yeah I, I yeah <laughs> well uh, maybe you did you I, just didn't do it <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't remember uh, Your, yours is still in that backpack my, my dad coined the phrase friendly f's he said all my teachers loved me um i know about that <laughs> but uh i i did um i did want to also uh point out that when when they do get into college and they and they do that they do have these study skills earned from school they do better so my question sure. is do you find that there was a difference in the pandemic between how private and public schools handled it and we're not starting to fight here yes we're just seriously just yeah. having a discussion yeah. i'm not i don't have a, a an allegiance to either mm-hmm. one i think mm-hmm. they're both good mm-hmm. they i both agree. have positive and negative i agree with that 100 percent um, now answer the question. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> in general, most par- private schools are smaller. Mm-hmm. And when you have a smaller setting, you can do more. Okay. You can do more personalization. You can be on top of when Johnny is not organized or not studying or, you know, whatever it is. Were they held to the same regulations as the public schools during COVID? No. Okay. No. So, for instance, if you, say, went to T.K. Gorman, yeah. you didn't miss as much school. Would that be correct? Right. Right. Um, and, and really, that... that Public schools are require have strict requirements what they can and can't do, and they have to follow the letter of the law. Um, private schools don't. Many private schools choose to um, to fall in suit of what public schools are doing. 
but they do not have the guidelines or the restrictions that a public school does. Yeah, they're bound by so much. Mm -hmm. And and, and I think policy was probably the biggest problem through all Mm -hmm. of this, maybe even Mm -hmm. larger than the pandemic itself was the policies that came out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I learned a little. (laughs) I hope the audience learned something. Um, uh, Carol, I uh, love talking to you about this. It it, it interests me greatly because I, I met you at a time in my life when I was really affected by all this. Mm-hmm. And uh, you certainly uh, were a huge help in that. Uh, and, I, and I think our students now, it, it, it's not just the COVID that they face, but the school shootings. The mm-hmm. uh, Again, my son went to Legacy. I believe they had at least one lockdown mm-hmm. after they built the mm-hmm. new school. The old school, yeah. they said, would have been a killing field. Yeah. Um, it's more stresses. Know. There's more, more stresses. Anxieties. Yeah, and there so is. I know that when your brain produces different endorphins mm-hmm. and chemicals mm-hmm. that you don't, it's not good for you. That's right. So all of this stuff, guys, listen, it's, uh, it, it, it's affecting our kids, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's COVID, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Uh, school shooting gun violence Mm -hmm. whether it happens on campus or happens on the news these kids have a 24-hour supercomputer feed directly at them so they see all this so uh, I guess what I'm saying is be patient with your kids yeah but what I say is um, you can eliminate whatever you can eliminate a stressor then do it if you can educate your child or give your child the best education that's eliminating one of the stresses you can't eliminate the other things but you can eliminate that I'm going to eliminate one stress right now. I'm going to get off the air. Carol, um, thank you so much uh, for being a part of this, for being my friend, and for adding something to In Focus that will benefit the community. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good evening. You too. In Focus is a weekly public affairs program featuring members of the local community working to make East Texas a better place. In Focus is produced by KTBB and the Team Sports Radio. And we thank you for listening. Join us again next week.